I'm Steve Lightman from Kicks, and you are rocking on Iron City Rock. Pittsburgh Rock. Hey, this is Brian Damage from Kicks, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hello and welcome to episode 398 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 398, we are joined by Brian Damage Forsyth of the band Kicks, who are, will be coming into Pittsburgh to do a show on December 15th at the Jurgles Rhythm Grill in Warrendale. Also have re- released, I should say re-released, uh, depending on how you look at Reblown Fuse 30, which is their classic Blow My Fuse album from 30 years ago to the day, uh, which was remixed and remastered by Bo Hill, who was not the producer on the album, but was actually the producer on Midnight Dynamite. Uh, they found the original ma- uh, recordings from the album, went back and really, really made it sound fantastic. So we're going to play you a little bit of uh, Blow My Fuse here, and then we're going to get into that interview with Brian. Welcome to the show from the band Kicks. We have on the line Brian Forsyth. How you doing, Brian? Great. Well, you guys have just recently—I don't want to say re-released because it's you know technically a different recording of sorts. Uh, Blow my fuse is now called Reblown Fuse Thirty, um, and you've got you know fantastic new product. You're coming into Pittsburgh to do a show on the 15th at uh, Jurgles. So uh, excited to get the opportunity to talk to you. Um, let's let's talk about Reblown. What what kind of was the drive to do that? You know, redo that album at this point. Or I should say remaster that album. Well, well, for one thing, it's the 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mark actually, I, I wish Mark was on here with me. But uh, Mark uh, was the one that sort of 
jumped on that and and sort of pursued pursued that whole thing because we uh, we had no idea like where the masters were or anything and you know when a lot of times when uh, when bands re-release stuff it's just a remastered thing and this right. is actually a full re- remix okay and uh, which is really interesting because uh, you know we're still in contact with well especially Mark Mark is uh, he he hooked up with Bo Hill right. and him and Bo do do um, like deep sea diving and all that junk together so uh Mark just sort of threw it out there to Bo about remixing it and and uh and Bo really liked the idea but we didn't we weren't sure you know how to go about getting the the master tapes and all that junk or or who had them and so Mark went ahead and checked into it or had had uh Madeline at Loud and Proud Records helping him out too and we ended up finding out they were they were available so uh we got a hold of them and uh yeah so they were sent to um to Bo and then uh i mean there's a lot of other processes that sure. that that happened in the meantime but but to make a long story short Bo Bo got them and and just just to to see what happened he he didn't listen to the actual record like he okay. just took the the master tapes and he just remixed it just with his uh, ear. himself without yeah. yeah without without being influenced by the the original mix so it was kind of interesting how it turned out and and then you know and of course the other half of that little box set it, it are the demos that mm-hmm. we did before we went in to record the record and it's it's really cool you know we did that in our own little studio up in Waynesboro Pennsylvania okay. and uh it's it's interesting to see how the songs developed, and some some of them sound almost exactly the same. Some of them are like completely rearranged, like differently, and it, it's just a kind of a cool thing to look at, you know. Were these demos in particular something you had were even aware of or remember? You know, I, I think it's kind of neat to be able to go back and say, okay, you know, probably thirty one years ago or something. You know, you did this. You know, probably is kind of a quick take on some of these songs to go back and listen to those now. I mean, does, does that? How does that feel? I mean, um, well, yeah, I was definitely aware of the demos because we, uh, well, back when Donnie was still involved, you know, because Donnie's the main songwriter, mm-hmm. but we he was relentless with these demos, and in fact, I I have boxes of tapes <laughs> up in one of my closets. Uh, of demos and and uh, especially the, the these uh, the set that was released, I have other demos that are like there's different versions of those demos. So I, I might have like four or five different versions of say "Blow My Fuse" the song. Okay. And they're all and they're all slightly different. <laughs> Excellent. It's got to be kind of neat to go back and and do that now. We're like in those demos were those one of the things I, I was curious when I was listening to it especially on Red Light Green Light um, was that a drum machine or was that an actual drummer on that demo on the demo that um, is that Jimmy that's playing that's a good on? question I was listening to that and it sounds so perfect you know I, I, I had to really wonder on that one 
Yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to remember back now too how he c- it could have been a drum machine. I mean, sometimes he would take. Uh, I don't think he played real drums in our little because it's a tiny little studio we oh. had. I think he had like drum pads gotcha. that would okay. triggers. That would that would explain. so it might have been that. But it was, you know, like you said, very neat. Were you guys, you know, when the album came out, I know I personally had it on cassette. Um, literally from the morning after I saw you guys open for Cinderella, I went out and bought your album because I was just literally blown away with it, no pun intended. But I had the cassette, so I wasn't sure what to expect. And I only got the CD, you know, maybe 10 years ago I found it. And um, I have to admit, it's kind of quiet. Um, were you guys sort of happy with the way it was mastered, particularly for you know CD and digital, or, or did you know is that something that that kind of bugged you guys how it sounded? Um, not at the time. Um, uh, I'm trying to think back. Well, you know, you know, listening to the the original mix of that that record. Uh, that's kind of the way it, things were at that time. So it sure. sounded like it was supposed to at the time, but then, yeah. you know, now when you go back and listen to it, there's so much, especially the, uh, the delay and the effects were, were just overblown. And, right. um, there were some things I didn't even notice until Mark pointed them out. Uh, the, this one delay on, uh, what was the song? Dirty boys mm-hmm. at, right at the beginning. Um, I guess maybe because I always listen to it on speakers, but when I put the headphones on, I noticed the the delay wasn't even in time with the song, so it was just this big jumble of mess at the beginning. Yeah. So, so those are like kind of the things that that we, we were hoping to to fix on this on this remix. Now, do you go back and even like not only blow my fuse, but hot wired midnight dynamite? Do you? ever really go back and listen to those recordings or is it a situation where you've played the songs that you're going to be playing in your set so much that it's kind of not necessary at this point well I I do in fact um, I make it a habit of uh, you know to go over the set a few times during the week leading up to a show just just to you know embed it into my mm-hmm. <laughs> into my brain but uh so i do play along with it okay. uh and then every once in a while i'll stop and actually just listen to it just to make sure because a lot of times you know playing a song over time it, it sort of uh you know little little subtleties will, will change and Absolutely. you know i'll forget like like i'll play it a certain way and forget like the, the the real way that I that I should be playing it and then if I go back and re-listen to it at some point and really listen to it I'll go oh wow you know I forgot that I'm I used to do it this way and yeah. then I'll I'll just tweak it a little you know <laughs> yeah I've noticed that with some bands that will start you know kind of veering off from the original arrangement or, or maybe even a different guitar part or whatever and then it never goes back I, I noticed that with Kiss, for example, when they do Lick It Up, it doesn't really sound like the original Lick It Up to me much at all because they've played it different for so long. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, and it, it well, it could be also could be a a case of uh, like like I, I've run across this myself where you know the initial recording there'll be something that just bugs me about something I played. Yeah. So 
when we do it live, I'll fix it, you know, and play it the way that, that I really would have liked to have played it. <laughs> right. Now, when, when you guys did these songs, um, did you do a lot of, you know, you listen to the fills, and, you know, I think that's one of the things I, tr- I think really stood out kind of nice with the, with the remixes, some of the, you know, the harmonica, the guitar fills, the guitar solos um, really stood out. When you did these songs, do you guys kind of, map out the solos you were going to do and, and that became the solo for Cold Blood for example or did you have different versions of it at, you know obviously on the demo some of the solos are different but um, did you, when you guys went to do the you know the for real tracking of this album did you do different types of solos or did you kind of weed out how you wanted to do them in uh, you know in the demo well, process yeah it depends on it depended on the song like uh, you know some songs were worked out Especially if it was a like say a guitar harmonica thing, mm-hmm. you know we would work it out. Or, or if it was Ronnie and I, you know, playing harmony guitar or something, you know, of course that'd be worked out. Sure. But um, but there were other places where um, you know, I would put a solo on a demo just to sort of fill it in, and then when I got to the studio, I'd try different things and because. Okay. Uh, you know just the way that I work a lot of times my best solos are just the ones that I just where I just wing it right and uh, and I and I would do that I'd go in there and and they'd let me do like a few different solos and I just start in a different spot on each take and then go back and and usually it turned out to be one of the like the first or second take would be end up being the solo yeah, I think a lot of times you you get the you know the raw energy of the first take you know sometimes speaks out. Now, were you guys involved at all in uh, you know a, a lot of bands have you know I think of Twisted Sister for example re-recorded Stay Hungry. Uh, partially, I know a lot of bands did re-recordings because they didn't own the original recording and therefore if they wanted to use it in you know commercials or or what have you that you know the record company who originally did it was still taking a piece of the pie but um, being that this was just a remix and a remastering does it you know Atlantic which I guess kind of still ultimately owns Loud and Proud Records do they still own the right to that recording? Uh, yeah I suppose so you know I don't really know exactly um yeah, that it, it seems like that's the, that's the way it would be. I mean, I don't know if they if they own it, but I know you know. Of course, Donnie still owns the right. publishing to the, sure. to his songs. Right. But um, yeah, I'm not really sure how that works. Yeah, that I mean, that's probably a, a crash course in in entertainment law that uh, gets involved there. But I know, <laughs> you know, for example, Don Doc and I know, you know redid all you know like the greatest hits re-recorded with the current band and some of it's almost in, indistinguishable um and i know uh mm-hmm. steven Piercy did that with round and round so that when it's used in a movie or a soundtrack or whatever you know he gets is able to keep more of it but that's a fantastic now you guys are going to be uh coming in to do a show on the 15th here i mentioned at the top uh, in warndale just outside of pittsburgh um the set you guys are doing is is are you going to be injecting a lot of blow my fuse into that set or is it do you guys have kind of a still a consistent mix with midnight dynamite and cool kids and etc well um 
since we released this uh, this box set, we've been doing the album in its entirety. So we usually start off with a few songs at the front of the set, mm -hmm. and then we'll go into you know into Red Light Green Light and just run the whole the whole record all the way through, and then we'll finish it off with with some stuff at the end. Fantastic, I think. So yeah. Did you? Yeah, guys... it was interesting ha having to do this whole whole thing because there there were a few songs that we either barely played or never played. <laughs> so yeah, I, I know cool. from you know the times I've seen the band, and it it seemed like being in Pittsburgh that we got a, a pretty steady dose of you guys. I don't know if it was just the the geographic thing that they would put you on tours in the Northeast, but um, you know there were a couple bands yourself and Great White. I know that it was almost impossible to see a show between '86 and '92 where we didn't see one of you two on the bill. And it, was a, it was a wonderful time, but um, the uh, the, uh, the decision to do this through Pledge Music. Um, now, are you do you know if the album will be available? You know through iTunes and things like that going forward or is this just a kind of limited time thing with loud, with uh, Pledge and Loud and Proud you know I don't have the answer to that okay. <laughs> I don't fair know enough. <laughs> fair enough the um, I think it's going to be looking you know awesome having you guys into town if you guys you know I know you you had some pretty good success with your last studio album is there anything dabbling around for another studio album to come uh, we have talked about it. Uh, of course, you know this this release kind of put that off a little bit. But uh, you know, everybody has been you know working on their own ideas on their own. But we haven't we haven't gotten together yet and, and uh, sort of thrown things together to see what what we have. But but yeah, we've talked about it, and there's no uh, there's no timeline. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure at some point in the future there'll be another record and it you know it's it's funny because this last record you know had been so long since we had put one out and we were sort of I think there was a fear factor there because Donnie wasn't in the band anymore and you yeah. know so we kept putting it off and putting it off and stalling and we finally did it and it turned out so well now we now there's the the other part of the fear is trying to follow that up <laughs> yeah and, and do it again <laughs> you know it's kind of funny you know when you you, you wish for success and I, I was actually thinking about that with even blowing my fuse i mean you guys I don't know that anybody could have predicted what Don't Close Your Eyes did for the band as far as, you know, national recognition. And sometimes it's a you know, blessing and a curse. Now you've got to, you know, you got to go back into the studio, you know, for Hotwired and follow up, you know, a monster song. And I'm sure that, you know, same pressure. You guys made a fantastic album last time out. So it'll be interesting to hear what you guys do down the road. Um one, one question I had for you, I noticed as a, the guitarist in me is always intrigued uh, by instrument choices. I know you you play the Telecaster quite a bit. Um, is that when you did the Blow My Fuse record? Did you use a Tele much back then? I know on the you know on the liner notes you've got a Les Paul, and you can hear a lot of that Les Paul sound on the album. But did, were you using a Tele much in that era? No, I actually wasn't. Um... Yeah, I didn't really get into the Telecaster until uh, until I left the band in '93. Then I switched over. <laughs> but okay. I, I had a you know 
I, the telly that I play, I had it, I owned it back then, and I would leave it sitting around my living room. So that was my sort of, you know, the guitar that I would pick up just to noodle around right. on, like say sure. when I was watching TV or something. Um, but I did, I, I, I think, yeah, back in, in, in those days, I, I mainly used, um, I, I, my main guitar was my Melody Maker. Okay. Which is, it's not a true melody maker because it's got humbucker pickups in it, but but it uh, you know it's the thin body, so it's probably it's, it's closer to like an SG or something. Okay. But uh, that's what I mainly use. But I also had like uh, what else did I use? PRS guitars, um, Stratocaster. I used on a few songs, and um, and yeah, Les Paul. I, I, I had. Uh, Les Paul Special with the P90s, which I love. I love Gibson P90 pickups. So I was always a. I always leaned towards. Uh, I, I loved the single coil sound, and when I discovered the Tally, you know, actually the first time I played a Tally on stage was in right after Cool Kids. We did a. We jumped up on stage to do a set. There was a band in Florida called the Kids, and that we made friends with while we were down there recording and uh when we finished that record we jumped up we we asked them if we could jump up there and do a few songs just because we hadn't been we hadn't played live in a, in a couple months right and so they let us get up there and this was a band that uh johnny depp was the guitar player okay and he had a he had a 56 telecaster and a 50 watt marshall and it was like you know the old style Marshall. It wasn't a modern Marshall, and and uh, so I got to play his telly, and I couldn't believe the sound that the telly had through the Marshall. I I just never thought that it could sound that good. Yeah. So I think that planted the seed. So I always knew that that there there was this magic sound with a telly and a Marshall. So uh, when I finally. Uh, you know, picked up the Telecaster and started using it. And I realized there's something about a single coil pickup through a just a cranked up amp that it, it's you still get all the the sustain and everything that you need, but it, there's still this clarity that comes through. And I think that I just fell in love with that that tone. It's it's, it's almost bigger than like a, a humbucker that has more output. Mm-hmm. The, the the single coil almost has a bigger sound because it's got such clarity. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I liked with with Blow My Fuse. You know, the reblow is that when you listen to the album, you know, you, you know a lot of albums. And let's be honest, in 1988, a lot of people were using the you know the Super Strat, where you ended up with a very thin guitar sound. And some of the you know guitar tones on your record. You know, especially, you know, with this new crisp, you know, r- remix and remaster, you know, you can really feel the warmth of the amp and, the, you know, the guitars and things like that. It's got a lot of character to it as opposed to, you know, that maybe that super strat through a JCM 800 uh, sound. So, you know, it's commendable, you know, when you go back and listen to it, you guys were maybe a, you know, a bit different in, that you weren't playing, you know, the, the painted up guitars like everyone else was at the time but it really I think makes for an interesting sound in 2018 yeah well I mean speaking for myself I mean I've always been tone conscious Mm -hmm. you know as far as my guitars and my amps I mean I used uh, both Ronnie and I used like old 
the old style marshals and um i also used i used mesa boogie i had like an old well i still have it it's a 83 it's a mark 2c mesa boogie back when they used to hand wire them mm -hmm. and uh i my go really go-to amp is a 66 basement black fa blackface basement and right. uh that's what i used on all my solos on that on that record yeah, and I think you know when you listen to that, it, it's it's kind of refreshing, you know, because you listen to a lot of the you know the contemporary albums of the time, don't don't have that same kind of warmth, or, you know, it's just a little more pleasing to the ear, and, and I think made for a fantastic, fantastic product. Uh, Brian, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you're a busy man. Um, you're going to be flying back from the West Coast doing a show here on the 15th, and we look forward to seeing you when you get yeah. into town, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm. The, you know, the, the last time we played there it was a great time, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Iron Maiden Live The Legacy of the Beast Tour 2019. Saturday, August 17th, PPG Paints Arena. Their biggest stage show, their greatest songs. Your chance to be there. On sale now. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com. Be there to experience the power of Iron Maiden live. All right, again, a big thank you to Brian Forsyth of Band Kicks. Again, Reblown Fuse 30 is available uh, right now through Pledge Music. Uh, you can visit our website, ironcityrocks.com, and follow the links. We'll get you to where you can purchase a copy of that. Um, I have to say, owning the original Blow My Fuse CD and listening to Reblown um, it's kind of neat uh, because it sounds so I think so much better in you know in, in some of the modern uh, methods of compression and things like that uh, especially through headphones and things like that um, so it, but it's not a different product you know you listen to a lot of these albums that bands go back and we kind of talk about that in the interview where they re-record their songs and it doesn't feel quite the same this feels like um, the Blow My Fuse album did 30 years ago. It just sounds a whole lot uh, cleaner and clearer, I think. So uh, definitely worth checking out. And, and the, the entire second disc is demo versions of each song in the order uh, that they come on the album. So you're getting two versions of every song, the newly remastered and remixed version, and then a demo version, which is kind of fun because some of them are, as we talk about in the interview, quite different. Some of them are, are very, very similar. So definitely worth checking out and a great uh, deal if you're a fan of Kicks. And I think anybody that's ever seen Kicks is a fan of Kicks. So uh, worth checking out. Again, there will be a Jurgles on the 15th. There are still tickets available for that. You can get that at JurglesRhythmGrill.com or you can follow the link on our website. Uh, again, we are at IronCityRocks.com. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter are all forward slash IronCityRocks. You can contact us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Also invite you to, if you're in western Pennsylvania, the 2018 edition of the PMA, the Pittsburgh Music Awards as we like to call them. Uh, the nomination period is available now, and I'll take a moment just to explain the nominations because we always get people that uh, get very excited about this. Um, the finalists for these categories are chosen by the nomination, so we invite you to go to the nomination page and submit one nomination form. Pick your favorite metal band, your favorite alt band, your favorite whatever. Just one, please, though, because we will detect if there's duplicates and we will purge them. The top uh, 
in each category, nominations become the finalists. We do not hand select any of these artists. We do not even vote in these categories. These are 100% fan voting. Uh, so if you are in a band, uh, you want to promote this with your your audience, please do so. We encourage that. Uh, but uh, please don't come to us in February as we're announcing the winners and, and complain that your band did not get nominated. This is your chance to get nominated. If you want to be on the ballad, the month of December for the PMAs is for you. So go to ironcityrocks.com, uh, follow the link to vote. Uh, please do so. We encourage it, and we appreciate you taking the time to do it. And again, base it on their work in 2018. Uh, we don't want uh, for best album an album that came out in 2015. No matter how great it might have been, we want something recorded in 20 or released in 2018. Uh, the Hall of Fame is also we uh, induct one artist from Western Pennsylvania each year. Uh, you can see a list on the nomination form of all of the previous inductees. So please don't nominate. Uh, Trent Reznor, no offense to Trent Reznor, but he's been in the Hall of Fame now for several years, so we don't need to induct him again. Uh, we want uh, new blood in the uh, Hall of Fame. Plenty of fantastic musicians from uh, Western Pennsylvania's history. doesn't have to be somebody from the last 30 years. You can go back, uh, you know, if you want to go into the doo-wop era, you want to go into, uh, you know, whatever era of music you want, this is really your chance. Uh, so, again, the top nominees will become the finalists, and we will have voting for that after the new year. So we invite you to check that out. So until next time, we want to thank you so much for listening. A reminder to check out Reblown Fuse 30 from Kicks. Check them out on the 15th of December when they're in Pittsburgh. Until next time, we want to thank you for listening. <laughs>